write this down. I always like to say this. The money is in your relationships. The money is in your relationship, your success, your happiness, whatever it is. Welcome to Startup Knockout. I'm your host, Timo Hicks. Sales in startups is tricky. And according to our guest today, Regina Haar, it should not be done the same way as enterprise sales. Regina is a founder many times over. She's a startup sales coach and mentor. And she's going to take us through the methods that she has created to help startups sell sustainably. Regina, thanks so much for coming on the show. Happy to be here. Really excited to talk to you today. Yeah, we're excited too. So the first question I'm looking for is uh, the difference between sales in corporates and in startups. How are they different and why should startups be thinking differently about sales today? Here is the big problem. If you do sales in a corporate company, let's say you want to sell a Mercedes, someone that comes and buys a Mercedes or would like to buy a Mercedes, they already have some brand awareness in their mind. They already have sort of an idea as to what a Mercedes is. They have most likely driven a Mercedes before. They have friends who drive a Mercedes. So they have a pretty good understanding of the quality of what they're looking for and what it is they want to get out of the experience of having a Mercedes. So a salesperson does not need to do quite as much as someone that's just starting out and that has a pretty unique idea. So here is the thing, as a startup entrepreneur, you don't have any brand recognition. You don't have any testimonials. No one knows anything about your greatness. So you, as the entrepreneur, have to become your own best testimonial. If the transformation that your product sort of guarantees or magically promises, and it's not visible in your life, then it's going to be very, very, very hard. So sales in startups has to start with the entrepreneur. If you shine and if it comes through you, if they experience, because here's the thing, we never actually sell product. Let me make this very clear. You don't actually sell product, you sell an energy. Let's say you have like an um, organic store next door. I go shopping at this organic store. The reason is that I'm sharing values with the owner of the store. So I'm going there to have the experience of shared values. The products are secondary. I'm going there. The shop owner welcomes me. It's like, oh, today I've got this great new smoothie. You should drink test. Do you think I'm not like, if she drinks it and she looks this fabulous, I want to look like her. I want to try the smoothie as well. So let's really understand that the, the transformation that someone experiences because of the product needs to be visible within your own life. So what you're advocating for is they shouldn't be thinking of it as selling a product. It's more tied up in shared values, in identity, that I like the the the, the shared energy idea that you're you're selling your energy and not just uh, not just the thing you've made. We had a SaaS product, a software product, hardcore software product. It was a PowerPoint for um, consultants. So I signed global agreements with EY, Deloitte, and KPMG, the big four. They had three hundred and fifty thousand employees each. I was not traveling to the US, and this was all pre-Corona. I didn't have to go be on a plane, be away from a family, nothing like that. But because I have been an investment banker myself and I knew how draining PowerPoint is because I have lived and what did the breath or whatever, breathe through PowerPoint, yeah, mm-hmm. 12 hours a day for a couple of years, I knew how painful PowerPoint was. So guess what? Every consultant I called immediately could click on value. I never had to ask anyone whether they 
struggle with PowerPoint. I knew all of them struggled with PowerPoint. It's not even a question. It's not even anything where I have doubt in my mind that when I called them, that they know exactly what the problem is with PowerPoint. So this is what I mean by authenticity. I know exactly what they are feeling because I felt it before. And now that we have this PowerPoint tool that makes life in PowerPoint so much easier, I could easily and authentically sell it with a lot of fun. And here's the thing. There are lots of other PowerPoint tools on the market. Now it comes down to who can present the transformation in their library best and who can connect best to the problem the customer has. I could easily, because I have lived it, I've been there, I've done it, and I've now overcome it. That's what people want to see. Yeah, this really speaks to the the philosophy that you need to be deep in the problem, really in the problem first, before you start thinking about the solution. And it sounds like you were with that one. Uh, now, you've created a bit of, um, what do we call it, a, a methodology Correct. to help startups think about this and, and, and move on it. Can you tell us a little bit about your ROAR Why methodology? Yeah, very good question. So we already touched on the authenticity, but let's go step by step. So the formula is, can I write this down quickly? However, ignore my kids scribbling here, R-O-A-R times Y. I can send you a screenshot of later as well. So the first beautiful. R, it's, it's beautiful. It's art. It's art. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my little two toys here. So R, the first R is relevancy. So it's, saying it's, it's entering relationships. That's what it is, right? So we need to constantly ask ourselves why we are relevant to someone. So marriages, why do marriages have so many problems? It's because I always think, Timo and I were married, we are not, we have our own partners, but let's assume, let's say, totally annoyed at you because you did not take the trash out or you did not take the kids to kid or whatever it is. Now, instead of asking myself, why is Timo such a horrible husband? I should ask myself, actually still have relevancy for him so that I still have the right to be in this relationship. So in sales, I always do that. I don't require my customer to be the one that's basically thoughtful and considerate. I understand that I need to make sure at all times that I'm still relevant. So in sales, what we often see is that we are relevant only for like a certain time period. So in, in big sales organizations, this is why I always tell startups, don't do it that way. In, in bigger, the minute a startup gets a little bigger, they like to, to like cut up the sales process. So they have pre-sales where you do lead generation, then we have someone closing the lead, and then we sort of have afters and leaders, and then probably we have some technical support as well. So I always like to say, that's like, I'm going on a date with guy I, guy, uh, the first, uh, guy one, I'm sleeping with guy two, I'm getting married to guy three, and I'm then having kids with guy four. So I keep breaking this relationship up. And then I always have to restart. I always have to restart the whole thing. The interesting thing is though, oftentimes we basically take the sales process to signing the contract. And then we're like, money in the bank account, now I'm done. And then people tend to forget to be relevant from then on. You need to make sure that your customer is super, super. Customer service is the most important thing. And I'll tell you why. Because upselling and cross-selling is 10 times cheaper than winning new customers. And this is what people tend to forget. So is this the ongoing investment part? Next thing. So this is now the next thing. Very good question. So second letter of ongoing investment. With our customers, if we don't check in with our big 
super customers and also with our smaller ones. And here's why the market talks, the market talks at all times. And you never know who someone's married to, who someone is friends with, who someone knows, you just never know. So let me give you an example. Why do these travel tourism shops, you know, when you like go, let's say to Rome or something, and you've got this little boutique full of tourism stuff. Why would they consider to be friendly to you as a customer when they know you most likely are not going to come back to Rome? Guess why? Because you're going to go home and tell all your friends either about this greatest experience you've ever had or about the worst experience you've ever had. This is upsetting and cross-selling. For example, we had a we had a customer. She introduced the software to her consultancy, to the company. Then she moved jobs. You know what she said to her boss? She said to her new boss, I'm only coming if you introduce the software. New customer. Absolutely. For nothing. No effort for me at all. So this ongoing investment is what's going to make me money. It is what's going to make me money. Write this down. I always like to say this. The money is in your relationships. The money is in your relationship. Your success, your happiness, whatever it is is in your relationships. If you want to be successful, make sure that all your, your relationships are in thing, but we come to the next level later. So mm -hmm. authenticity, next letter, R-O-A. Now we come to authenticity, okay? Or do you have any other questions regarding the O? No, I think that's pretty good. I'm curious so, about okay. the authenticity part of it. We, we highlight, oh, we talked about it already. But let me give you another fun example. <clears throat> in Germany, we also have um, Shark Tech, who did it with me? A couple of years ago, there were two guys that um, went there and they had this absolutely fantastic idea. They actually explained the female world why they needed pink rubber gloves to solve the period issues. I don't know whether you heard about this fun story. I'm so surprised they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> two guys in their early 20s explaining women why their period is... They considered it to be that it needs a pink rubber glass. I mean, it needed to be pink. I mean, let's say we really had a problem with our period. Guess what? We could get a normal rubber glass from any shop, but it needed to be this pink one. And of course, it became a big scandal. They got slaughtered for it. Guess what? There's absolutely no authenticity between these two guys who know nothing about period and explaining to women that they have a problem where we were like, oh, I didn't even know I had a problem, right? Do you think a 60-year-old man would, would want to be called by a 20-year-old girl and, t and be told that they have a prostate problem and they need to take this and that for their prostate? It's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And this is now so, so, so relevant in the startup thing, right? Do not try to solve a problem that you know nothing about. It's going to backfire. And this oh. is why I always say we need to train and find a connection between the person that's selling the problem and the product because if there is no connection there cannot be any value shared value as i said authenticity is all about we are coming together on shared values here's a bit of a tough question though this, is, this is, almost has no answer but it's 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 an important question is how deep does your relationship with the problem need to go because uh i started a project where I was trying to build a company once, and this might've been a very foolish thing, where I was trying to fix a problem I was experiencing as a customer of restaurants, but I myself had limited, not none, but limited experience running a restaurant. So I've worked in restaurants and my dad owned one for a year, 
but that's not enough to really have deep experience in that space. Is that not enough? Absolutely enough. No, it's about the passion. It's absolutely enough. It's absolutely enough. And and what if somebody is just a customer? So let's say I, I've never no, worked no, at a restaurant before. Is absolutely that fine. Absolutely okay. fine. If you're solving a customer problem uh-huh. and you totally get so passionate about it because you're like, I've got the million dollar thing in my hand. I know once I fix this, but, and here's the thing that we get to the why later. We need to get to the why in a little bit. Yeah. So as you know, and as I know, startup life is the hardest life you can pick of exaggerating, but it's really any startup person, any entrepreneur would tell you if they had known how difficult it's going to be, they might have not chosen that path. It's tough. So if you are naive and just have a good idea and think, oh, why not try this? But it's not connected to something that is sort of a purpose in your life. It's going to get very tough because startup life is super tough. And here. And here's the thing, people will throw things at you from every direction. They will be like, Timo, try this. Timo, why not this? Timo, talk to this person. Have you tried this? No, you need to add this feature. Oh, no, you need to add it. You need to, you need to pivot again. And so you will totally lose track of what it is you're going to be doing. And this is then going back to the other R. So you first need to, to really find out why you're doing what you're doing. And when shit hits the fan, and I can tell you it will, you need to be able to retrieve and that is the, the last eye in the formula to go back into recovery mode and really find yourself again. You need to first find out what lifestyle your business is supposed to support. Raising honey means be working on your baby for eight hours, 80 hours a week. You want to be really totally into this thing, not thinking about uh, having babies, not thinking about anything, but just really be absolutely focused. And again, why is this important? One, because otherwise you will burn out. You will be giving up on your little hobby that it is at this point. And two, and this is what's very important. Again, in sales, you want to connect over those values. The clearer you are, the easier and more likely it is that you attract the customer that fully understand what it is you're saying. So you go through your first letters, your relevancy, your ongoing investment, your authenticity, and then the recovery is kind of a circle back yeah, where exactly. you kind of go through the process again to make sure you're constantly going through Yeah, this. but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I really need to quickly mention this. This world is very dominant by male energy. So we always have to try to higher, 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 right? Let's achieve the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, which is what we need in the startup world. We need to be fully driven by this energy of, I want to be successful. I want to be successful. The problem is it's like a tree. If it grows too quickly, it's not going to go wide. And if it doesn't go wide, eventually it's going to break. We know that we need to come back to bringing us back to who we are in order to find the creativity and the energy to basically get up to the next step. We cannot grow and be super successful if we just shoot up and not go wide. So. When people shoot all kinds of things at us, we need to make sure that sometimes every week, actually, we need to go for an ice cream. We realign with who we are. We realign with our why. We realign with our values in order to make sure that we're not going to burn out because then our investors will be super unhappy. Our customers will be super unhappy. Our partners at home will be kicking us out and the divorce is more important and taking a break every week and just making sure that all stakeholders in our lives find, and most importantly, us. 
So that's good. So we've got a nice framework, but let's make this a little bit more concrete. Um, how do you go out and find your first 10 customers? Then? Yeah. How does this framework help you with that? Very good question. So the way I teach startups to find their first 10 customers, here's the thing. Startups like to go, oh, I'm solving everything for everyone at the same time. If you try to solve everyone's problem, you're not solving anyone's problem. We need to find 10 customers. If we find 10 customers, we find 100. We can go white eventually, but we first need to find the 10. So, yeah. So the first thing is three-step method. I need to think about my own three-step method is you need to know what it is that you have to offer and why you're doing what you're doing, the why. It's very important. The second thing is, who do you know for sure, 150%, need what you have to offer? Don't try to convince people that they need you. For example, with my software, with my IT uh, PowerPoint product, I knew that everyone I was calling needed the 150% because I have been in their position. I was not negotiating, but trying to make someone a customer who I wasn't sure they needed 150%. There's several reasons why this is important. Reason number one, if you try to make someone a customer, there's only an 80% fit. Guess what? You're going to be struggling convincing them that they need you. One. And B, you're only going to make them 80% happy. That means they were not saying a dance and praise about it. Why would I want to waste my time, especially in the beginning, on people that are not going to bring in more customers. Should these be paying customers right from the start or more like test customers at the beginning that then you can then migrate into paying customers? Okay, this is a very good question. Because presumably you don't have the exact solution for those 10 customers right at the beginning that they're willing to give money for. This is the wrong, this is the wrong concept that you're following here right now. This is what, I te- that is what we with startups all have to go through. This doubt thing of, am I good enough? have all the features that they need. This is what most people, what most startups actually hinders them to become successful. You only need to have that much more than the customer currently has, and this is already worth money. Most startups actually end up not selling anything because again, okay, this is very important. I need to explain something quickly before, before we get to the second thing. There is a difference between a salesperson and a consultant. A salesperson is someone that takes you from where you are through the transformation and closes the lead. But they are fully in charge. So for example, if I, let me think of a product, let's say I, something with the gym, let's say I want to have a personal trainer. If I want to have a personal trainer and this personal trainer is totally ripped, totally a mother of three kids and totally has it all worked out, Totally showing me the transformation. She focuses on moms with three kids, is in her forties, and still looks stunning. It's totally clear. The parameters are absolutely clear. She's like, look, I look at you, and I know I can do it for you. Here's my pre-picture. This is my post-picture. I have done it. You can do it. That is, she takes me straight through the sales process. A consultant is someone who's like, so what's your problem? What is your problem area? Is it your tummy? Is it your boob? What is it? Is it your bar? What is your problem area? So this confidence comes from knowing the problem really, really well before you even start. Because it, as I said, because you have done the transformation yourself. As I said, again, with my software product, and this is so crucial, and I'm only talking about these 10 first customers, actually every customer, to be honest, but look, you go on a date and you don't want to be on a date with a girl and she'd be super insecure about herself. Let's say you're just starting out and 
you think you have a really good problem. So there's a problem that you know well, you know that it's a problem. Um, you're pretty sure that you know the solution. How can you tell, how can you sort of filter what criteria should you use in deciding whether you should actually try and create a business for this? It's your why. If this is right now, your purpose in life is now that you want to change the way consultants work because you hated this consultant job where you were wasting your nights away. You were doing stuff you didn't study for. You were just like producing so much paperwork for the bin. Many, many years ago, you remember when YouTube came out? YouTube came out and there were two companies starting on copycats in Germany. So one of the, one of the companies was working on it for a full year. They developed the best product that you can imagine. There were these other guys that were now working on it for two weeks, brought up crazy silly product out. They were a week earlier than the other one, got all the press, all the press in the world. And the others were just never busy. It was a much better product. So we need to make sure someone's going to do what you're doing. Going to do what you're doing. You need to get out into the market at the earliest possible thing, even if it's just this much better than what the market has to offer right now. If we don't, someone else will, and there will be someone who is full of this. I'm going to do it. This is relevant, and I'm going. And this is what I always say every, to every startup: Do not wait to go out because the best thing that can happen to you is that. And this is now they're going over then from the super masculine thing. Yeah, I've got the greatest thing to get positive feminine. I want to change the world together with my customer and in this relationship. Because if you go out early and then start developing new features together with your customer, guess what? The lock-in effect is tremendous. And you are making sure that you are not developing something that no one actually needs. And this is what happens to so many. Because they're like, now I've solved this problem, but what if I had this feature? And, what if, and they never actually get to sell it. Stop building features. Go with one feature, 10 customers, and then develop further, uh, further features with the customer. So the last thing is, who do you actually want to work with? This is another thing that most people have not really thought about. Who do I actually want to serve and who do I actually want to make happy? If you just left the corporate world and I sick and tired of corporate people, guess what? If you pick up the phone and tell the people at the corporate world, it's got to translate and it's got to be very much fun. Yeah. So if you don't want to work with moms or dads or whatnot, don't do it. The first thing customer, you need to have fun. It's all about the experience they have with you. This is where the money is. So recap those real quick. What was the list of how to find you the first 10 know. customers? No. There was a lot of, it, a lot of good yeah, examples like the of things, Three things. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing to have the values that you will eventually use to connect your customers with. Two, who do you know needs it for sure who needs it? Don't go for people that are only 80%. percent and be very narrow. Like only go for, let's say again, moms. Or only go for consultants. Or only, like a very, very, very small group the first time. And thirdly, who do you actually want to work with? Who do you actually enjoy talking to? Because otherwise it's going to change the end of the conversation. Right. And if you don't work with people you want to work with, then you're going to burn it, out. You're not going to burn out. A burnout is a misalignment between your values and what you're actually living on a daily basis. That's what a burnout. A burnout happens when you're like, I want to spend with my and spend time with my kids. I'm having a bad feeling. I'm feeling so bad being at work. You're going to burn out. And so talking to people that I don't like talking to, you're going to burn out. This is what a burnout is. A misalignment between your values that you have not. This is why the recovery is always so important. You need to make sure that you live your own with values on a daily basis. And that's what not only would you be happier, but you will make your customers a lot happier as well. That makes a lot of sense. And those values can change 
as you go through life. So I like this right. recovery part because you're always reevaluating it because these are not static values. They're dynamic. They're always moving. Correct. Let's uh, let's dive into the last bit, the win, loser, draw game, though. So, uh, Regina, are you ready to play win, loser, draw with me? Always. Fantastic. So our first one, win, loser, draw. Startups and large enterprises one day having sales that are so completely different, they, re they require completely different training. One, very different animals. Very different animals. But the world will catch up more and more to the way um, authentic sales is being done. Corporate world will have to focus more and more on this relationship building situation. This is a time where we want to be connected again. So if even corporate want to be successful, because they will be, you know, I think there is a shift happening right now. People, and this is basically the old, the old way of doing sales was like, this is the greatest product. And then going into the negative of saying, you're so stupid if you don't get it. We only have five more things left until tonight. If you want to just call blah, 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 blah. And this is over. So this relationship building, say, I think that is so crucial for startups to be successful, I think would eventually be adopted. Hopefully, I hope at least. Let's see. Okay. So they're kind of diverging in some ways and converging in others. Okay. Yeah, I could follow that. More the corporate world into the startup world, not the other way around. So sure. Much. Sure. Maybe okay. when they're more mature and maybe KPIs, but other than that. Got it. So our next one then, our next one is about KPIs. Win, lose, or draw. <laughs> KPIs becoming a thing of the past. It's, a, it's difficult to say. It's a lose, especially in the early days of startup. We need to really make sure because um, quality of a customer relationship is very difficult to be measured in KPIs. So... I had a colleague, I had hired someone from Italy and she was organizing someone from the as a trip to Italy. How is you going to put this in KBIs? I didn't care because this was building relationships that ultimately led to a big sale. So especially in the early days, the focus for me is entirely on making sure that you build very strong relationships. I get that once we become bigger, we sort of have to have KPIs, but I cannot measure the success by saying, okay, you've written 100 emails today. I could not measure the success in early days uh, by just shooting out emails. It needs to be relationship-driven. Okay. So KPIs have their place, but not when it comes to relationships. Oh, not in the early days. I mean, relationships will days. also have to be built always. But I think in the early days, we also need to make sure that... Because if we if we say, have you written 100 emails? And they have, but it's not... It's not been a relationship, but then we have nothing pretty much. So for me, the saying like, how strong is the relationship? Have you talked to them? Like what kind of, because here's the thing. If you see my label in my playbook, right? If you, as I say, as someone who wants to sell something to me is now picking up on that and would be like, oh, you also have kids. Hey, I've got the same camper van. And I'm like, you know what? I actually do have an extra camper van. And the other person's like, yeah, but we've traveled then. And this is relationship building. It's not really related to the product that I want to sell or you want to sell to me. But we're building a relationship. So I'm enjoying this conversation and I'm and here's a little hint, a little tip. Everyone has a boring day. Everyone has a boring work day. If, when I called my consultant and these big four, guess what? They were excited to talk to me because there's not much going on in the day. And that's what makes it easy. So I always say to all the salespeople, make sure that you're giving the best five minutes in a day. It's not that hard. If you give someone the best five minutes in a day, you will be remembered and they will come back. They want more. Sure. Especially if someone's sitting at an Excel sheet all day. Exactly. So find these 
find five minutes with someone and that's difficult to yeah, put into KPIs. Okay, that's a good tip. Last one, win, lose, or draw. Every startup seeing sales training or sales mentorship as a necessity? Absolutely, yeah. So that's a win then, big absolutely, win. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yep. I don't even know what else to say. Um, Maybe you don't need to say anything else. Yeah. We, we went through a lot of it, I think, a lot of the reasoning why that that is a yeah. win. Yeah. Good, then thank you for playing my game with me. And thank you so much for coming on the episode. There's a lot of really good uh, methodologies and examples of how those methodologies work in real life. So I picked up a lot from this episode. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Regina. Sure. Happy to have been here. And thanks to all of you for listening and watching. If you'd like to see more of Regina, you could follow her on LinkedIn or go to sales-360.com. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and we'll see you again next week.